brothers and sisters in Christ, Ava, Maya, Jonah, Easton, grace, peace, and mercy are yours this night from God our Father in heaven and your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What would your life be like if your dad was the President of the United States? What would your life be like if your mom was the Queen of England? I know that I've been getting all these notifications on my, my cell phone that Prince Harry's child's been born. They, they haven't released names yet, not pictures yet. Now they've got a name and a picture. People in that country are obsessed. Uh, they love and they hate the royals. What would your life be like if your big brother was the richest man in the world? If you were in any of these positions or relationships, your life, you may think, would be a little different. And of course, people would notice you. Because being in that kind of relationship comes with power, yes, privilege, certainly, and done well, responsibility. Now let's imagine that you went out tomorrow and actually claimed that was the case, that your big brother was the richest man in the world. People would probably laugh at you, right? But what if you really insisted my big brother is the richest man in the world, and he'll give me whatever I ask for. And people would start to think you're insane. That brings us to John chapter 10. It's hard because John chapter 10 is this glorious chapter, uh, and over three years, uh, we spread it out for Good Shepherd Sunday. We read part uh, one year, then a little more the next year, and now we read the conclusion. But if I was going to recommend a devotion to you tonight, uh, I'd recommend you go home tonight or sometime this week and read all of John 10, where Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, the one sent by God to fulfill in full Psalm 23. And he's insistent upon it. And people say, you're insane. They challenge him. They uh, deny his words. And then we get to today's gospel and they, they kind of crowd around him. They mob him and they say, tell us plainly if you are the Christ. Can you feel it? They're, they're trying to bully, bully him to denying what he's saying, to try to back down. Tell us plainly. Jesus says, what have I been doing? I am the Christ. I am the good shepherd. And then Jesus ups the ante. He goes one step further. He says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. For any of those of you who have taught English before, uh, think about the grammar of that sentence. I and the Father are one. We generally teach uh, our English students to put it my father and I are one. Uh, but Jesus uh, puts it in reverse. And that's bad English, and it's bad theology for the Jews. I and the Father are one. Jesus put himself first before the Father. That's a big deal. 
he's claiming that he's just as important as the God who called Abraham, the God who led Israel out of Egypt, the God who inspired Solomon to build the beautiful temple. Jesus says, that God and I, we're together. We're one. And they cut the next verse out of the lectionary, but it is an intense verse. And it says, and they picked up stones to murder him. They were very upset. And they said that he was blaspheming. Shepherds of sheep have noticed that sheep need uh, four important things before they will lie down to rest. Sheep need to be free from fear. Uh, a shepherd has noted that even a, a rabbit running through the, the flock will cause them to, to be frightened. Shepherds need to help their sheep know that they are safe. And above all, sheep take comfort in knowing that their shepherd is present. Sheep need to be free from conflict. If there's a uh, power struggle, uh, a struggle for pecking order within the, the sheep herd, uh, everybody is, the whole flock is anxious. They need to be free from disease, free from Insects, they, they can't be sick, they can't be pestered. That's why shepherds often put medicine, ancient shepherds would put medicine in oil and put it on the head and the body of the sheep to drive away insects. And finally, sheep need to be full. A hungry sheep will not rest or lay down, but will be irritable, anxious, and upset. A shepherd takes care of all the needs of the sheep, makes sure they are comfortable and free from fear, makes sure that they are at peace with one another, makes sure that they are protected from insects and disease that insects would bring, and that they are satisfied with good food, and so that they may lay down and rest. Jesus' opponents were so bothered when he was claiming to be one with the Father that they totally missed the promises and the gifts he was setting before them. He was setting before them a celestial feast, as our hymn just sang. Jesus was saying that those who hear my voice will receive peace and forgiveness. And he even went as far as to say, whoever hears my voice has eternal life, has eternal life. Yes, you, you may die and be placed in the grave, but you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was offering this as a free gift to anyone, no matter what sins they had committed, no, no matter what they had done, what mistakes they had made. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I am your good shepherd. And he does all of this shepherding, all of this leading, all of this protecting, all of this feeding through his word. Quiz time. Uh, there are two parts of the sacrament of the altar. Do you remember this? <laughs> There's the bodily eating and drinking combined with God's, with wor God's word. There's the bodily eating and drinking combined with God's word. Wherever Jesus' word is, there he is acting. 
to save, to heal, to bless, to help us grow up in maturity in Christ. Dear Conference, he's been doing this all year for you. He's training you to know his voice. My sheep know my voice and they follow me, Jesus says. Just like uh, unborn babies learn even in the womb the voice of their mothers and fathers, so too Jesus says that uh, even in your darkest hour, even in difficult days that may be in your future, you will remember the words of Jesus. And so even if you fall away, even if you've made a terrible mistake, remember the words of Jesus. You are always invited back to his altar, always invited back to the presence of the good shepherd, and he will forgive you. All this Jesus does for you with his word. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And tonight I invite you to say, I and Jesus are one. Yes, that's backwards. It puts you first. Uh, and Jesus second. But Jesus wants to put you first. In all that Jesus did and does, he puts you first. He was willing to wash the feet of his disciples. He was willing to be called a blasphemer for their sake. He was willing to be called a criminal. He was willing to suffer for them, to be mocked, to spit upon. Jesus was willing to be beat, to be flogged and crucified. He put his people first, even to the point of death on a cross. I and Jesus are one. You and Jesus are one. In John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed for you. He says, I pray for my disciples, for they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them, Father, in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I now send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for all those who will believe in me through the word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, even as we are one. I am in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Dear confirmants, I learned this year that you're all very different. You have different interests, different personalities. And today Jesus says that's good. He's given you different gifts. But because you have one Lord, you are one. I, we, and Jesus are one. No matter what divides us, no matter how we hurt one another, how, no matter how upset and frustrated we are, how, no matter how much we think we're better than one another, Jesus calls us tonight to put that all beside us and be one through his blood. We and Jesus are one. Luther's pastor John Staupitz uh, had a favorite Bible verse, and it was Psalm 119, verse 94. I am yours, save me. 
I am yours, save me. And he taught Martin Luther to pray this whenever he was feeling uh, crushed by his guilt or anxiety or fear. I am yours, save me. Tonight, I invite you to make that uh, another part of your confirmation, this prayer to the good shepherd. I am yours, Jesus, save me. And Jesus, dear friends, he is the creator of the universe. His father is Lord of all. Your big brother is the wealthiest man in the world. All things belong to him, and he has promised to help you in every need. It's true. He's a big deal, and he's put you first. And tonight, he calls you to follow him into the world to witness to his power and love. May God grant it to you and to all his church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.